Welcome back to No Beer Left Behind. It's Brian here in North Texas. And I'm I'm partnered up with the one, the only, the Frank tonight down in Austin Actual. Frank. Hey, Brian. <clears throat> How are you doing, buddy? I see you're wearing your Barcelona jersey. I'm doing all right. Yeah, we're off to a great start in the league. Um, cannot complain about Barca's form this early in the season, so things are looking great. Yeah, that's good. Um, you have, I don't want to say you've gotten me hooked on uh, European football, but I have found myself watching and keeping up with uh, Chelsea football. Okay. You know, they, they were, and I was, uh, thinking back, I was trying to figure out why I f- like focused on Chelsea in uh, the Premier League. And I think it just boils down to like one time I watched a Chelsea and Man U game. Mm-hmm. Back, like when I lived in Oklahoma, <laughs> when I was like growing up, it was the only prof- like legitimate professional soccer game that I ever saw televised that wasn't like World Cup. And I was like, yeah, these boys in blue look pretty good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull for them, and then it just kind of stuck. Well, so. for so Chelsea, yeah, I mean Chelsea's a powerhouse team, right? So yeah, they're like the, unfortunately they're also like the fucking Yankees of the Premier League. Sometimes they can be. I mean, the Premier League has so much money that they don't really have one team that's like a Yankees anymore. There are several Yankees. <clears throat> yeah, the game on Sunday against Newcastle United, it was uh the I think the announcers brought up the stat that the average player on Newcastle's team was like uh, a salary of eight million dollars and the average oh. the average on Chelsea was thirty two million. <laughs> You're just like, oh, it's a different type of team that they're playing here. I see. Yeah, so I mean, we haven't really gotten into the thick of of kind of the soccer season, right? So everybody kind of starts. Um, I mean, in the Spanish league, everybody plays everybody um, two times, home and away, um, for a total of I believe it's thirty two matches. So that there's there's a long season ahead. We've played two. Barcelona hasn't conceded a goal, which is always nice, but. It's the regular suspects that are decent. I think the one big surprise so far is Man United just crashing. And they, the, the thing about the English Premier League is it is, um, it's so top heavy that losing one or two games at the beginning of the season to a bottom feeder team literally means you'll probably not, you won't win the the, the title because yeah. very rarely do. Um, Premier League titles get won with four or five losses. And then also, it hi- it's highly unlikely, or it's going to be very difficult for you to finish in the top four and make the Champions League, league next year. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so look for Jose Mourinho, too. As per usual, I, I can call this to such a T. Jose Mourinho goes in, trades all the talent in the younger ranks to get older players in that can win a title right away. He either wins the title or crashes out, you're, and you're, he leaves the team with no young players 
really overburdened some old player contracts. Um, <clears throat> and he just does it over and over. So he did it at Chelsea. Chelsea's finally recovering this season after two years of not having him. Um, and after spending a shit ton of money, Man U spent a... I think they spent almost a billion dollars since he got there on acquiring players. And they still aren't anywhere near the top five in Europe. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. So, Jose Mourinho, it's always fun seeing him go somewhere because he comes from small club Spanish football and he's been doing it since then. And he just keeps fooling people. He did it at Real Madrid and it took him about three years to recover from that. It's hilarious. He's just but, lying on his resume over and over again, just hoping people won't catch on. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't. It's so obvious as to what he does, and then people are still like, "Oh yeah, let's get him to coach our team." I don't. I just. I don't get it. I don't understand why he still has a job in any of the top flight European teams. It's just not worth it. But well, we've not told people what we're drinking tonight. I think one for an obvious reason, but two because I've got to let my beer warm up a little bit because my beer cellar is really really cold right now i don't know what's going on but i might need to adjust the temperature hey, this beer is frigid <laughs> it has to warm up well it's also so i'm drinking a coffee stout this is reve coffee stout from parish brewing in new orleans mm-hmm. louisiana it's uh actually made with the reve coffee roasters in new orleans so this beer is so cold. When I tasted it, you know how you taste like hot coffee when you like if you chill hot coffee down and ice it, it has yep. that weird like acrid bitterness. That's what you get from some stouts. Is you just get this over overwhelming or overbearing acidity. Mm-hmm. So if you let them warm up a little bit, you let some of the sweetness come out of the malt. It may be hidden in the background, but it helps balance it out just a touch. So So. I had an interesting beer this weekend, and the reason that I'm going to talk about that is because I'm not drinking any beer tonight. Yeah. Um, But I had a stout from Stone Cloud Brewing called the Turtlehead Stout. Have you ever had that? Yes, I have. I really like that beer. Mm -hmm. It is delicious. And it it, it was super high content alcohol. I only had one. It's like 9%, I believe. I think they sell it. 11.2. 11.2. Good. Uh, (laughs) Jay... I think, Hold on one second. No worries. Jay brought me a crowler of that beer, I think. I'm pretty sure he brought me a 32-ounce crowler of Turtlehead Stout and Neon Sunshine, their pale ale. I will say I really enjoyed the Turtlehead Stout. It was a big, so you, big Hold on. I'm sorry. You had 32 ounces of this beer? Yes. And Whoa. that was... I think I might have given Mrs. Brian like a 10-ounce pour, but I filled up my stout glass, so it was at least 22 ounces at once. And it was good. Uh, I will say Stone Cloud Brewing out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I know Jay is a huge fan of their Brett Pale Ale, I think it mm-hmm. is. Did you have any of their other beers or did you just have the Turtlehead Stout? No, I was at a fantasy football draft this weekend, so this is what someone bought. And it was just, you're this just was not a, uh, butt bong and natty lights and slamming Turtlehead Stouts. You know, there was a... Uh, they there was sort it. of a, a, a split, right? Like people brought some cheap beer and mm-hmm. then they brought some nice beer. Yeah. And the nice beer was always like, I don't know. I brought some live oak and other people brought Shiner and Oof. nicer beer. <laughs> I was going to say, you, I can tell the crowd that you're hanging out with 
based on your then, definition of, of of nice beer. Frank, are you there? You're frozen in perpetuity. Perpetuity? That's not can you hear me? I can hear you. I can't see oh. you. This is weird. Oh, there you go. Okay. That's so weird. Um, no, what I was saying is, is it's not... It wasn't a weekend where it was like, hey, bring whatever is your finest whatever. Because we were going to spend money on playing golf and whatnot. Yeah. So people ended up just bringing some daily kind of all-day IPA-style beers that they enjoyed. Okay. Um, but with one exception, and that was the Stone Cloud Brewing. And it was funny enough, not like no one touched this beer. So I, I asked the guy if I could take one and bring it with me. So I have one in the fridge for when I can uh, enjoy beer again. But I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I don't have any sort of particular, I mean, it wasn't like a blow-me-away stout experience. A stout, it's good. Yeah. I just found for the alcohol content, it was very well layered. Like it didn't come across as being as high alcohol as it is. Yeah, and that's what I. That's a, that's a positive on that beer. And one thing I experienced as well. So Mrs. Brian and I went to visit Stone Cloud, their tap room, and we each had four tasters. We each had different mm-hmm. different flights, so we had eight different beers. And I will say, the first beers that I had from when Jay brought me Crowlers, and I bought, I found like a six pack in a liquor store right after they first opened and first started canning stuff. We'll say those beers tasted very different than the beers that I tasted in their tap room. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought a six pack of uh, I forget what the hell their standard IPA is. I could get up and go go look at it. Because I bought a six pack and I still have four cans left because wow. it was that it it smelled like body odor. Mm. <laughs> and is this a, didn't you mention this the other day? So yeah, the one that I had from Prairie OKC was like body odor gym socks. Oh, okay. And this is a very similar experience except is not as I don't know. It's 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 there's a lot. I mean there's like onions and garlic coming out of the beer. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I am in small quantities, but the beer was just not... It wasn't for me. And uh, that's kind of my experience with a lot of the stuff later, like recently with Stone Cloud. That and the fact that their beers are very... uh, They're they're higher priced than most craft beers that are found Uh, in liquor stores. How much are they? I want to say the 12 or the six pack that I bought was like $12, $12.99. And the hmm. beer is like six and a half percent alcohol, so it's and it's it's not like a crazy limited release. It's an everyday price. Yeah, and I know we talked about it a couple months ago uh, when Angry Scotsman from whatever the fuck that brewery is in Oklahoma City. Um, yeah, Angry Scotsman, the tilted, the, the rusty kilt tilted pin, kilt or something, the, the rusty kilt pin. Mm. Uh, that beer was. was very expensive for what it was. And there's no reason other than like alcohol taxes in the state of Oklahoma. And I, I don't know if that's what stone clouds doing or what's going on, but the beers are really expensive and the quality is not as high as it should be for the price tag. So I don't know. I, so, I will say best out that I've had in Oklahoma city is polar eclipse from rough. I agree with that. That's from, uh, from rough Yeah. You know, uh, Athena has a good one too, and I cannot remember what it's called. Ouroboros, Ouroboros stout. 
the Belgian stout. It's good. It's lower in ABV, definitely. So it's more sessionable stout. I want to say it's six and six and a half percent, something like that. It's it's good, and it's surprising quality. You you don't yeah. expect the flavor coming out of it, but yeah, there's there's good beer to be had in Oklahoma City, and then there's beer that's being produced in Oklahoma City for an astronomical price. Yeah. So. Well, that's decent. So, um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm having some Sprite. That's what I'm drinking tonight. Do you want to some talk about it? Well. No. Okay. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, stomach isn't feeling right, so I decided not to drink anything. It's all, it's um, all good. I'll, I'll, yeah. drink, I'll drink for two. I had to do that for nine months while Mrs. Brown was pregnant. So, Man, the burdens you carry. My shoulders are broad, Frank. My shoulders are broad. <laughs> I've got plenty so, of bourbon and scotch here. We can double up and... <laughs> Make good on it. So I uh, I had a quick listen to the last couple casts, right? Yes. Um, as I was driving to Dallas, and I realized one thing we haven't done in quite some time is talk about our favorite things on Netflix. Netflix as of late. Okay. Yeah, Netflix. Um. So I don't know. I just I have two okay. that I I I thought were kind of worthy of speaking to. Oh, please, please speak, my uh, good friend. So one of the ones that I watched the other night was um, Humans of Magic, I think it's called. Humans of Magic? Or like Magic Humans or something. Oh, you get the show title right. It was so good, I forgot the title. Magic for Humans. Magic for Humans. Magic for Humans, okay. Yeah, so this guy, like, he'll go around and... I don't know. Like one of, the, I'll I'll only ruin one of the tricks. But essentially, he'll he like goes to this park and asks someone if he can see their cell phone. He's carrying this big bunch of balloons. He quickly tapes the cell phone to the balloons and let the balloons go. And <laughs> freak out! And he specifically goes up. Like one of the funniest ones is he goes up to this black dude, and the guy like gives him a cell phone. He's with his buddy. And he like lets it go, and the guy starts freaking out. It's like, "Yo, man, why'd you let my cell phone go? You can't just do that shit in the park, man. You can't just do that shit here." And he like he goes through the whole trick, and eventually lifts up his shirt, and the guy's cell phone is in a plastic pocket behind his shirt. Yeah, right. Now I don't know if he switches the cell phone out or whatever he does. It's a slick trick, <laughs> and. Uh, when the guy like hands him back his phone and goes, yo, 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 I do not recommend doing that with any other black people in this part. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you could have got, it could have ended differently. I just want to let yeah, you know. Yeah. That's so, funny. Yeah. I'm, I was a fan of that show. That's, that show's just like really. So it's called magic. Uh, the gathering for people. Yeah. Magic for humans. <laughs> magic for humans. <laughs> it's solid. It's, it's a good, like, it's one of those you could throw on and you don't need to follow a plot, which I personally think are the best kind of shows. Yes. Um, you could throw it on and every once in a while, I don't know, while you're cooking, you look up and you're like, oh, let me watch this trick real quick. And, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't get it's kind of like The Office. It's There's a plot, but there's not really a plot. Yeah. Um, kind of shows like that. What so, is what is your other one? Because I have one that follows that. Oh well, go go with yours first. I uh, need to find the other ones tied. I don't want to kind of slaughter it one more time. <laughs> you want to do a two for slaughter fest? No. <laughs> uh, so that. on in that in that same vein, I've been uh, nailed it. The show on Netflix where they basically get people who can't cook or can't bake to try to recreate things that they see, like desserts that they see on Pinterest, which. Mm-hmm. 
leads me to another thing that's one of my favorite pastimes, but nailed it. It's a pretty funny show. I mean, the, the host is funny. She could be overbearing and overwhelming sometimes, but it's one of those things like she has to be, if she wasn't, the show wouldn't be funny. Mm-hmm. And I think it's up to the second season and <laughs> they have, uh, like an actual pastry chef, the host and like a, uh, uh, like an, a celebrity guest or whatever that judges. And it's funny because the, <laughs> the pastry chef, Chef Francois, is like a French pastry chef. and He's very, very famous. <laughs> soup's famous. F- the first season, he looks like a, you would think a French pastry chef would look. In the second season, he went on like a keto diet and got veneers. <laughs> He's like super skinny and his teeth are all like, yeah, those don't look normal. But it's funny that he's on there and like, yeah, he's a pastry chef. He's like losing weight on camera. As you're watching the show, he's like dropped two pounds. It's weird. But the show is still it's, funny. And well, you, so first off, isn't it Jacques Torres that's the pastry no, chef? No, it's Chef Francois. Something I'm I don't know. Pretty what the hell sure it is. it's Jacques Torres that does this. I'm just gonna be all right. Let's nailed look this up really it. Quick. Pastry chef and Jacques Torres. Yes. Okay. Okay. So no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I was just being racist against French people right there. <laughs> you know, what? we'll leave it in. Cause I was like, uh, you know, I don't know of any He's... famous pastry, but I do know of Jacques Torres. No, actually his key, his, his catchphrase is and that's all he does like it's really weird you have to watch the show he doesn't even give people feedback no he just says and then he talks about the uh, the the obnoxious lady interprets for him and is like oh my gosh i've never heard him do that before (laughs) right that you nailed it that's it so frank i'm gonna share this screen with you real quick and i want you to have you seen him lately I have not. Jacques Torres, a.k.a. Uh, the pastry chef. Okay, so... Oh, wow. He, here's here's the picture. Yeah, wow. <laughs> like, he he's... Good. He's all skinny and shit. Yeah, but did not used to look like that. No, but them teeth, though. Them ain't his. Yeah. He found those <laughs> things. <laughs> like, he went to the doctor or the dentist, and they were like seven cavities, and he goes, all right, veneers. That was him last <laughs> season. I just want to point this out. Like, that was him yeah. not smiling, and then, I found these teeth. I found them. He's fun. It's, he doesn't sound like that at all. But Not yeah, at all. Not at no. all. Jacques it's Torres. like a terrible Disney accent for someone who's never been to France. Uh, yes, that's actually exactly where that's from. Thank you for noticing. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> so, okay, I do like that show. I, I especially enjoy the phallic-shaped cakes that they sometimes <laughs> purposefully bring out knowing that this person is just going to bake a big penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like dick coming up on three, two, one. There it is. All right, nailed it. It really is just amazing. <laughs> What's your other one? Were you able to find the name of your other uh, Netflix suggestion? Yes. So the other Netflix show that I really enjoy that's not Netflix. <laughs> Good, perfect. We're really following but streaming shows. Streaming show. You okay. Streaming places. I think Hulu actually has this one, but um. Our cartoon president is a show that started off suspect and is now hilarious. Is, um, is that the one that so Stephen Colbert does? It's the one that Stephen Colbert writes, and it's like every one of those shows they come up with a concept, right? They just they're 
experimenting the first couple of episodes, trying exactly to figure out how and what to do. Yeah, that's on. Um, it's on Showtime. Yes, but it is. I, I it, doesn't Showtime have streaming on Hulu? Uh, if you have Showtime, oh, okay. I, I think it's a package that you may be able to buy through Hulu. Like it's an extra like three dollars a month or something. Okay, so yeah, it's on Showtime. I thought it streamed on Hulu, but yeah, it's absolutely worth streams on whatever illegal. Want to go through like the entire season at the end of it Um, because it's it is really really funny. Um, And Brian, I want to show you the Jeff Sessions character along with the Mitch McConnell character. I'm just pulling it up here real quick. Did they rip me off? Did they rip Uh, General Beauregard off? Because I feel like they're about to. They did not. Okay, sons of bitches. Even even better. <laughs> even better. Is it just Foghorn Leghorn on the screen? <laughs> now I say Holly. There it is. That's good. He looks like fucking Gollum. And there's Mitch McConnell <laughs> looking like a turtle. <laughs> that is actually Mitch McConnell. That's not. That's not a cartoon. That's Mitch McConnell. <laughs> it's uh, the show is so good because of the. The characters are just amazing. They're just look at Ted Cruz in the bottom right. I'm Ted Cruz. I think that's, that's what all, he. Yes. That's all he says on the whole show. Yeah, yeah. that's Jared Kushner right there. Stephen Miller. Uh, there's <laughs> Eric Trump. Yep, he's got a cleft lip. Yeah, uh, it's good. This it's a good show, and they've really they've managed to improve the writing on it every week. So it's gotten better every week. That's good. Hey, you don't want it to get worse every week. That makes it counterproductive. No, or stay the same. Because if you watch the first episode, I'm, I'll guarantee you, you're not going to be like, oh, wow, this is awesome. But if you – and the best part about it is it follows the current events. So I think they write an episode a week kind of like South Park does. Okay. So if you jump in this week, um, don't expect every prior week to be as good as this past week. <clears throat> but well, – the last one it is was definitely starting to get pretty damn hilarious. The last one was lousy with crime and <laughs> convictions. So well, they they have this whole episode about like Mueller and Trump. <laughs> like Trump is trying to get his entire staff not to talk to Mueller, and he starts complaining about the fact that they want to talk to Mueller. Oh. And then in order to get him to not talk to Mueller, he invites them all to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. But Mueller is standing like in front of the White House, smoking a cigarette, leaning up against the fence post the whole time. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's funny. The, the whole show, the concept, it's good. It's worth it. I The last show, or my, my second suggestion, is actually on Netflix, because I was keeping okay. it on brand. Uh, <laughs> but I, it's a show that... I actually Heart of Dixie? Heart, you nailed it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's actually uh, Nashville. It's one of my favorite shows. Now, I started watching Community. Or no, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. That's it. And I know what you're saying. You've never watched Parks and Rec before. And the answer is no. Because in what 2011 or so, I tried to give it a shot. And it was too soon. It was too oh, soon. so good. It was like, it was like they saw the office. They're like, "We can do this. Check this out," and that's what I thought. And understanding now that it is very much not. It was nothing like the office. I was just very close to that TV show, and didn't want to believe what other people told me to believe. 
In other words, like, you love this show. It's so good. It's basically what I thought about Archer before I actually watched Archer. So many people were like, you got to watch Archer. It's really good. And I was like, fuck you. You don't know me. You don't know what's good. I'm not going to watch this cartoon bullshit. I've already seen Family Guy. Fool me once. Fuck you. Then I watched Archer. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Parks and Rec is getting into that same vein for me. I I quite enjoy the show. It's well-written. It's very funny. It's got some very likable faces, some people that I did not want to like, but some people that embody a lot of Brian's heart and soul. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I feel like I could be Ron Swanson on any given day, <laughs> on any fucking given day. So yeah, I for all the people who have been yelling and screaming, the Parks and Rec is the best show on on planet Earth. Like, calm down. The Office is still here, but Parks and Rec is very very good. So. Well, I will. Uh, <clears throat> I'll definitely say that that is a great show, and yeah. I've enjoyed it for quite some time. And I'm glad you're on board because Parks and Rec is fantastic. <laughs> really funny. I, uh, I I don't know. I I don't. I hate being that way, but it's been true so many times. Where people are like, "You gotta watch this." I'm like, "No, I'm not doing it." It's gonna fucking. It's not gonna meet your expectations that you're setting for it. Not after you, yeah, like verbally jerked it off. You know which which show is like that for me. Game Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Uh, yeah. yeah, come on, people. Well, uh, Frank, who has who has an hour on a Sunday plus additional hours of like analyzing that in your head? No, I. The beauty is one. You just think about it at work with your coworkers, and it gives you time, like gives you things to kill time during the week. That is a bonus of watching a show like that. The other mm-hmm. thing is, yeah, it's an hour on a Sunday, but I will say that hour on a Sunday evening is one of the most beautiful things because you literally, you, the rest of the world can fuck off for that hour. And like you, you can focus on it. And in a world where you can binge watch days of TV shows and like never have that moment of, of wanting to see it again because you can just watch the next episode without any sort of like you you, you're a godder aren't you a what i i like game of thrones but i understand why people don't like game of thrones because one it is so much like we're seven seasons in each episode is well over an hour long and there's 10 to 12 episodes a season that's a lot that is a fuck ton that's 70 hours at least of material to get through. That's a lot. And I also yeah. understand that it is paced very slow. But like a, like a European soccer match, it pays off when it does. So you could watch 75 minutes of nothing, and then the next week, 18 characters die. You're like, holy fucking shit, this is awesome. <laughs> like, you have to weigh it out. And if you're not into it, you're not into it. It's not for you. I, I, I get that. I'm never going to harbor bad feelings. I don't like Lord of the Rings. I think it's fucking, I, I put on, I have the Lord of the Rings like box set or not, not the actual box set, but all the DVDs. When I was freshly married, we would have like, you know, the missus and I would have off working schedules. Like I would work a day when she, or I would be off a day when she worked. If I needed to catch a quick nap, I'd throw in a game with, or I'd throw in a Lord of the Rings DVD and just pass out for three hours. It was amazing. Like it was the best, some of the best sleep I ever got. But I'm not gonna. I'm also not gonna sit there and let people shit on me for not liking Lord of the Rings. 
you know i got i got the train going by so oh i was thought is, you were i thought you were giving me the old no, toot this toot is the train the train horn sign <laughs> this is the toot toot i hear you brian you keep going buddy yeah. you're preaching the words on that trail <laughs> no dude's been honking from i don't know probably new mexico <laughs> um, laying on strong yeah so i absolutely agree with lord of the rings i do not get that i don't get it i i know it is so grueling it's like i feel like those things are reserved for the same people who enjoy marathons or like <laughs> it's it's the marathon of movie watching it's it's for people who read the book and want to see it visualized and you know what I just I didn't want to read the book. I'm sorry. I know if Jay's listening to this, he's probably screaming. He's been screaming at his phone for the last like five minutes. We've had this conversation. Yeah. He's been screaming the whole time. And sure. Go ahead, buddy. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's just not my cup of tea. Like it's like jacking off my left hand. Like, sure. It gets the job done, but I'm not happy about it. You know, I'm not leaving there going like, yeah, good. Well, job well done, Brian. (laughs) We all did good here. No. I mean, speaking of the keto diet though, I'm pretty sure Peter Jackson did some, uh, crazy things he lost a whole lot of weight after the recording that movie peter jack i have no idea you're this is brand new you might as well be e true hollywood story or uh peter the, jackson he's the director for lord of the rings man oh okay right. put out king kong i guess district nine was his last one wow that was really popular <laughs> that was he did the, the adventures of tintin which i still have meant to go see but i haven't well i don't chance. think you can go see it anymore it's definitely not showing anywhere the hobbit nope <clears throat> nothing there oh jay is oh he is throbbing right he's frothing at the mouth uh, just yelling at his phone we don't know what he's got oh, he's got a couple more tintin films mortal engine Engines, they shall not grow old. The documentary, yeah, he's he's pretty versatile, but you know, um, it's sort of like I've only seen one of the Lord of the Rings that he's made, and I just don't do it anymore. It's uh, I, don't, I, I can't commit three hours to. It. Can you imagine being in Alamo Draft House for three hours? Yeah, I imagine just my think bill. About how much money you're? Gonna my be bill spending. is going to be a lot. Like, I, it's the first yeah. thing that comes to my mind. I'm a thirsty fella. I don't want. <laughs> I, I, you know what ended up happening? I would pay for the ticket. I would go in and start watching the movie. I would go out to get my second beer, and I just wouldn't fucking come back. I would just be outside drinking beer until the rest of my exactly. party got done watching the movie. And I'd be like, hey, fuck it. Fine. We had fun here, right, guys? All right. Good deal. We tried. We tried? I, yeah. I just can't we do it. And honest, I- honestly, the older I get, the the less patience i have for fucking movies that i don't want to see <laughs> it sounds so bad but like <laughs> i'm not gonna go see a movie just because like i'm i'm fucking not it's not gonna happen like if mrs brian wants to go see it sure let's go let's go check it out now i have my limits i am not going to see some fucking bullshit uh i don't know yeah yeah sisterhood of the traveling pants shit i'm not Do yourself a favor watch crazy rich asians it's funny I've heard it's good it's funny. Um, not, but like, I'm not I'm even even above that. above eighty percent for that movie is super high on Rotten Tomatoes. I, it gets a lot of props for being groundbreaking, which is fine, but it gives that gives it about a ten fifteen percent boost in my opinion and worthy rating. Yeah, like I, uh, 
I don't I don't know. I, even movies like I didn't go see Super Troopers 2. I wanted to see it, but at the same time when it came down to me getting off my ass or not even getting off my ass, but me taking the like 3 free hours that I had available on a weekend, like I wasn't, wasn't going to sit through a fucking movie. I was going to do some shit that I wanted like other shit that I wanted to go do, yeah. you know? I don't know. Does that mean I'm getting you, old, Frank? No. No, I think you just have limited time right i mean you got the kid you got work you got this multi-million dollar podcast yeah i mean well that's the least of our problems right right our listeners are just so loyal so um, (laughs) in the end yeah that's what you're dealing with is just balancing all those things so i i i don't know i mean we try to do a movie once every two to three maybe four weeks and they just don't bring out good enough movies that often anymore. So yeah, we go maybe once, once every month, every six weeks or so. But yeah, I mean the movie experience has gotten a lot better. I just think Hollywood has, for the past couple of years, just kept making a whole bunch of sequels and reboots, uh, prequels, and yeah, reboots of old movies and. Just come up with an original idea and make a movie about it. Like that's, I think that's part of the reason Crazy Rich Asians did so well, and why The Meg still sells out tickets. Um, it's it, The Meg is just a new concept for a shark movie, which is interesting. But can the shark come on land? It, no, but it, the right. the shark's like massive. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> it just eats an it's, ocean liner. <laughs> Yeah, it's just one of those, like, okay, this is kind of cool, like a Megalodon shark that's still around, and that's fine. Lost in the deep of the ocean. Yeah, the so it's, it's okay. It's it's fine. A 75-foot-long prehistoric Megalodon. So That sounds that sounds reasonable. It's, you know, whatever. It's at least new, and we haven't <laughs> seen this movie. I guess uh, maybe it's like Jaws. I wait, don't know. We have seen something like that in Jurassic World and Jurassic World 2 Park. Whatever the last one was they came out <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah, and that's another movie. We don't need another one hey, of Jurassic I, World. Hey, hey, Jurassic World was good. I like that okay. movie. The second one that they redid, not so much. Did not enjoy it. I left there. I left the movie theater going, huh. Well, I felt like I just jerked off my left hand. I mean, it's done, yes, but did we enjoy it? There's no. a lot of talking about jerking off with your left hand. I'm just saying, there's better ways to do things, and if you settle for the second rate, what are we doing yeah. here? What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's an audience on Frank's side that doesn't hear my part of the conversation that she just didn't. heard Frank yeah. recapping it and is very confused. <laughs> so <laughs> the the there's a movie coming out, though, with uh, the dude from uh, Harold and Kumar called Searching. That looks pretty good. You know what I want to see? I want to see a movie with Liam Neeson called Taken Tekken, and it's where Liam Neeson has to fight in the Tekken battleground. (laughs) I think that's (laughs) going to find his daughter. (laughs) Yeah, who's just on the other side of the side-scroll screen. Like, he can't quite get to it. He has to finish the guy in front of him. He can't ever stand fully still. He's got to like have his legs bob side up Side shuffle. There's side shuffles across the screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is perfect. Guys, I found the new Hollywood hit. It's video game movies, but it's actually just a fucking video game. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, Twitch is a huge thing, man. People watch people play video games all the time. I mean, there's Live a... broadcast mass shootings now. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. 
Well, um, you know, I mean, what movie did pop up that I was very surprised by the rating it got. Yeah, Parker does Dallas. I would like to see it. <laughs> well, so that one, I mean, you know, he puts a lot of effort into it. Limited so. release, I know. Yeah, but are you really surprised with the amount of effort he puts in and the amount of pain he puts his body through that that does that well? Parker backs his way through every door that he can he, find just in case he catches a knob, you know? Absolutely. And every once in a while he does, critics love it. Yeah. So Anyway, what movie uh, did you see that you were excited for? Um, I was speaking about the Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm. That has close to 100%. And for an action movie... Um, that seems like a must watch. I've heard positive, positive things out of that, uh, crazy little Scientologist. And the, the, but the cast is good aside from Tom Cruise. Oh yeah. Like they, they found other people that were the dude that's in, uh, hot fuzz. Yeah. I always forget his, but he's just a good actor. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Yeah. Isn't, uh, Jeremy Renner in those movies too? Or is that a different set of movies? I think I'm thinking of. Jeremy Renner is in. God damn. Not in this one, though. No. Uh, I don't even think I like Jeremy Renner. I have a bit of a man crush on Jeremy Renner. So you like, like. Uh, what is that movie he's in? The. Uh, the Het Laka. I like that one. That was a good one. No, okay. That's way long ago, man. Yeah, that was a good, was a good one, though. <clears throat> I think he, it doesn't even count anymore. Doesn't you even know, count. he plays he the lamest freaking superhero in all oh, of yeah. the Marvel Universe. I, I hate bow and arrows. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back here, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> I mean, it, come I, on. Listen, no one said it was good. Uh, he was in Tag. Uh, you're thinking. Oh, I, I, think the, in I think the one. You're, I think the one you're thinking of though is the one where he plays a journalist, um, Hansel and Gretel. Ah, he was in Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. That's the one you were thinking of. Ah, okay, that makes sense. No, I was thinking about the Bourne Legacy. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, wasn't he in that too? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he and he was in Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol as well. Man, he's been in a lot. This dude does goes into like four or five movies deep every year he's fucking working 2006 he must have had a kid because he didn't do anything uh i have no idea i was gonna i had something for this and i fucking lost it there's a movie he plays a plays a fucking fucking ah fucking he plays a journalist uh he uncovers something fuck me uh, no, it. he was not in the Boston movie where he uncovers the spotlight. This movie you're thinking of? No, it's a yeah, movie called no. Kill the Messenger. It's the one where he uncovers the uh, Iran Contra deal and the people dropping the CIA dropping drugs in Arkansas. Yep, Kill the Messenger, <clears throat> 2014. It's a good movie. It was on HBO the other night. And unfortunately, well, I mean, I've I've enjoyed Jeremy Renner since his days on Senior Trip. Oh, shut up, Dick. <laughs> shut up. Stop going through and picking apart his... Stop picking on Jeremy Renner. <laughs> How about Neo Ned, where he uh, is a... Uh, clearly, he's a skinhead who is dating a black girl. So there's that. I Listen, you can't... You got to start somewhere, you know? And uh, Do you remember his quick stint on Time of Your Life as Taylor? Oh, do I ever. How about... Uh, that drop it on CSI he did in 2001 as Roger Jennings. How about the movie Paper Dragons in 1996 where he did something 
that earned him two stars. <laughs> Real question. IMDb. Did you know he was in Pink's Trouble video? Shut trouble. Up. Yeah, trouble now. Shut he was up. the sheriff. I'm not joking. <laughs> Crazy. IMDb. I wonder, do you pay, as an actor, do you pay someone to keep that up to date? I don't imagine. Yeah, I think that's part of your uh, your agent's work, you know. <clears throat> make sure it's accurate. Make sure the M&Ms are all blue and make sure IMDb is up to date with your latest pink music video appearances. <laughs> well, got to make sure those are in there, you know. You got to get paid for them. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Brian, Sag it work. looks like you have moved on to bourbon. Is that correct? Oh, excellent eye, Frank. Excellent eye. I am drinking Old Forester 100 Proof Bourbon tonight. Mm. It's, you know what I've learned with uh, my excursion into liquor is that what, like, it takes a few times to really know that if you like a, 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 a spirit. So the first time that I tried Old Forester, I thought it tasted like hot butthole. <laughs> like, I thought it was just like, I was like, oh, I'm going to mix this with Coke. That's all this is good for. But after I opened it, um, you know, I gave it like three or four days. I poured myself another glass of it, and I realized like that's actually really mellow. There's not a like the alcohol burn is not as prevalent as I thought, and that there's actual like some complexity, not a lot. It's still pretty narrow focused the flavor on it, so it's it's nothing to write home about. But it's definitely better than I thought the thought it was originally. And this is the second actually the second uh, whiskey that I felt that way about. The other one is this uh, Grange. Uh, well, third. Grainstone uh, single malt. It's a total wine and more brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's they basically just outsource the Scotch uh, single malt Scotch whiskey. This one's finished in bourbon barrels for uh, a second. Sounds second like uh, you shouldn't be supporting that, Brian. Nah, I mean it's still an excursion into tastes, and they have to buy it from somewhere. So uh, I'm kind of conflicted on that, and maybe I can get your. Uh, where where you where you think it is like where what you think of it? Uh, the other whiskey that I was going to say I had that experience with was Macallan Twelve. Remember a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago I talked to you about it. I'm like, not for me. It's not my not my gig. Well, I poured the rest of the little bottle that I had then a couple nights after our cast, and I realized like, okay, this is a completely different beast altogether. I can appreciate it. I really can. I can appreciate the flavors that come off of it. I still don't like it as much as other single mm-hmm. malt scotches. Um, but I mean, I can, I can at least appreciate it's it. It's a baby. It's well, a baby scotch. There's nothing, there's nothing super peaty about it. It's yeah. got a lot of caramel flavor. Well, and well, yeah, and it's nothing, it's n- nothing fun. I mean, it's like a good, it's a good scotch for you to, I don't know if, if you for don't someone to get introduced to the flavors of or scotch. if you don't want to think about the flavors of scotch, drink yeah. that. And yeah. that's, that's where you go. Well, and that's kind of the beauty of this grainstone is that there are not a whole lot of scotch flavors in here. It just tastes like scotch and wood. Mm-hmm. And like to me, and this may sound this may be sacrilegious, but I kind of have the same feeling about some beers as well. And it comes from a point a standpoint of like I like what I like and I know what I like, which I will gladly pay you know, if if I can't taste the difference between a $28 bottle of of liquor and a $58 bottle of liquor, I will gladly pay the $28 if that's what I'm going to drink. Now, I probably won't drink mm-hmm. that because I don't, I can't appreciate what I'm drinking anyway. But that's kind of my mindset. 
is that wrong because it is a house brand? So here's what I'll say. In a house brand normally doesn't bother most like two buck chuck whatnot. Once the once the house brand starts competing with like the the lower end of the small family owned distilleries and all that stuff, it kind of does start to bother me. So if they're selling that for thirty two Oh, this shit this shit is selling for twenty three, by the way. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's it's tough because if it's if it's taking market share away <clears throat> from the family owned or the smaller distilleries, it's already really difficult to get into total wine. Right. So yet additional placings, you need to be able to sell and move your scotch. If total wine is selling theirs for twenty three dollars it just here's it the, irks me, but it's not wrong. I mean, you, you should make better scotch than Total Wine all day. So, well, here's my question: because I know what how they go about getting their private labels, and I know what other like maybe not Scotch manufacturers, but what other bourbon manufacturers and other blended whiskey manufacturers are doing. Like, let's take let's say I wanted to start up a a, a, a distillery that makes American whiskey. I don't have to distill a single product on my premise to make and sell American whiskey. Now I have to age that whiskey on white oak barrels within a 20 mile radius of the, the address of my license here in the state of Texas to sell bourbon with my label. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. where I got that bourbon from. I didn't have to source the oak barrels. I could buy all of that from a single source in Indiana it comes to me. I can I can bottle it. I can put my own label on it, and it could very well taste the exact same as somebody else's bourbon in another state that is yep. doing the exact same thing. So with that in mind and knowing that and knowing that Total Wine has to still go to whether it be small family distilleries or distilleries producing a very specific product, in this, in this case, a single malt scotch, like is that any different than... They're just able to do it in bulk, basically, and put their own. No, and I mean, so it's liquor is so much different than wine or beer in that it's you really have to know the story of the distillery to know whether or not they're big. Like the one thing that I can tell you about rum, Santa Teresa is a family owned rum distillery. They'll probably go out of business as soon as the old man dies. Like, I don't know that there's going to be another distiller that steps in. It's probably lucrative enough to where they can find someone, but I wonder if the product's going to be the same. Anyways, those are few and far between because they normally get snatched up. Large distributors find funding so that uh, Diageo and those people can buy Mm -hmm. um, the large brands. So, yes, I mean, in that case, in Total Wine, you're probably competing with – they're they're competing with each other, and it's highly unlikely you're going to find a ton of small – um, distilleries in those places. It would bother me more if Total Wine started to mass produce that product and place them in local liquor stores. Oh yeah, no, and I think that, that would bother me more probably than what they're doing. Yeah, and I think that may be a um, one of those three tier system cop outs. Is that if you do have a private label that can literally only be labeled for your your yeah. sale. I know that Benny's in Chicago is a is a chain of liquor stores. 
excuse me, that like Four Roses does a Benny's only bottling yeah. where some of the Benny's head, uh, like higher ups go into Four Roses distillery and they pick, <laughs> they pick specific barrels in which they want to bottle and package. And like, it's only sold at, there was like five locations throughout Chicago and that's the only place you can find that product, which is kind of cool. But at the same time, like if they started selling in liquor stores across Chicago, that would be fucked up. Um, so I, yeah, I, so beer, the, beer the and other, wine is the other very one different. that's got a, a private label is Kirkland, right? So Costco has their own. Yes, but um, not in so, Texas. Just heads up. Yeah, sure, but I mean Costco has all around the country. They've got their own Scotch label as well. Right. And yeah, it doesn't bother me if it's in their own stores. Who cares? But yes, if they in some way, shape, or form someday have the ability to do that in other stores, I would be perturbed by that. That's not fair. Yeah. Uh, wine. Does wine have a private label? Cause I know like two bucks. Yeah. Trader Joe's has a, that's Trader technically Joe's, a private label. Supposedly, but it's owned by the wife. So it's, it's not technically private, but it is. Um, yeah. Kirkland has some wine as well. Um, you'll find, I don't think total wine has a brand. As a house wine, I don't think Specs does either. Yeah. You'll find um, more often than not grocery stores, like large chains, Kroger, I'd imagine they have one that they prefer or label. Um, I think it's one thing to have a preferred uh, supplier, preferred whatever uh, brand, but it's another thing to have a, a house brand altogether, like an equate version of wine or an Archer Farms version of wine for Target. Yeah, I mean the closest to that would be Two Buck Chuck. And yeah, the 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 Trader Joe's Reserve wines they just they're fine. They just don't measure up quite as well because yeah, I mean for they the, just don't have the flavor profile of the other ones. So yeah, I mean the well, people v- like them. It's the value that people like about those wines more than anything. Yeah, but I mean, they have some $20 wines in oh, that yeah. portfolio, like 25 30 bucks that are they're fine. They're not they're not single estate, but they're they're okay. There's you're overpaying for something that just says reserve on it. Funny thing about Trader Joe Trader's Joe is what I like to call them. Trader Joe's in California <clears throat> in the early 2000s up until I think 3 years ago. Their house brand of beer that they produce, uh, they outsource it to different breweries depending on the region of the store. Mm-hmm. But in California, all the Trader Joe's out there, their house beer was made by Firestone Walker. <laughs> so, and they use the exact same recipe for their pale ale, for the Trader Joe's pale ale, as they did for their beer called Pale 31, which was quite possibly one of the best West Coast pale ales in America. And you could buy, so you could buy in the same store, you could buy a six pack of pale 31 by Firestone Walker for like eight 99, or you could buy a six pack of the same liquid with a different brand name on the label for five 99 at Trader Joe's. It was ridiculous. And no one ever knew until like they were like two years into production and people were like, Hey, this tastes pretty well the same. What the fuck is going on here? When they look back at where the source from like, Oh shit. But like it, it, the same goes for their house beers that they make now. Their house beers are not bad. Like they're, I mean, they're by no means world class. Yeah. But they're made by local brewers in like each region, and they're for the value. Sure, fucking drink it. I mean, again, you, you're getting what you pay for. 
if you drink a Bach, the, uh, Trader, Joe, Trader Joe's Bach, it's probably going to taste a lot like Shiner Bach and leave you very underwhelmed compared to a like a real well-made craft Bach. Uh, and just for the listeners at home, Shiner Bach is not an actual Bach. It's an American lager with some like Vienna malt. So let's all calm down. Should really just be a Vienna lager. Jesus Christ, Frank. Well, Sorry. Vienna, Vienna lager. Time that all wrong. Vienna lager's got a different malt in it done. altogether. It it tastes different. Looks a little different. And the the water profile is different in a Vienna lager versus a Bach beer. So yeah, I mean, that's I guess our take on beer and wine. I don't hmm. know. And scotch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we covered. covered I'm really sure how we wrap that up, but. <laughs> we can put a nice little bow on it just be like enjoy bitches so i've been i don't know i've been i've been enjoying my interactions with the peeps on the social medias and i wanted to (laughs) not compare and contrast but i wanted to just say like i really do enjoy all the people who reach out to us on instagram and uh, even the, the, the private messages that I get on Instagram and the even more super private messages that I get via text message. Thanks to those loyal listeners who have my phone number and text me. Thanks. Really appreciate that. Uh, but I, I do, I do enjoy hearing the feedback and hearing what you guys want us to talk about. And I have not forgotten about the requests for the different beers to try. I will say milkshake IPAs are really hard to get. Here in North Texas, not a lot of people are making them. And if they are making them, Brian is not traveling to go get them. I'm just going to give you a heads up right now. (laughs) So uh, I will do my best to research the differences between those styles, but uh, it is difficult to find true and accurate information on milkshake IPAs. I'm just going to say that. Anyway, all that to say... It doesn't sound good. Appetizing. How about this? And I wanted to bring this up. This is uh, a beer that I'm thinking about trying to brew sometime soon because I can't find it at any brewery near me, but it's called a Brute IPA. Now, Frank, when you hear Brute IPA, what do you think? Like, knowing what you know about the word Brute in wine, what do you think? uh, Gassy, like a super carbonated IPA? Like, overcarbonated? Maybe they use champagne yeast in it? So, super carbonated, yes, but also super dry. I mean, brute, mm-hmm. brute and dry. So it's a beer style that intrigues me. I've never had it, so I don't know what the tastes are, like what I'm, what I'm even expecting as far as tastes go, other than being super dry. And the hops that are used are all late edition, no, basically no boil hops. So it should be very fruity and very juicy. But with the addition of certain amylases, amylases, to dry the beer out to get rid of every last bit of residual sugar in the beer. So okay. I'm, I'm interested to see what it turns out like. I think that it might be interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to say good because my fear is that it's going to taste like just dried up butthole. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what, what it tastes like. So if you listener have any previous experience with a brute IPA, um, especially if you have experience brewing one, I know that's going to be a very limited number of you all, <laughs> but if you, do, I bet it'll be nice and fizzy, nice and fizzy. I, yeah. so I, I have thought about making what they call a New Zealand Pilsner, which is uh, basically a, a Pilsner recipe 
with the difference is they use New Zealand malted malts or malted barley. And that's supposed to be a big flavor difference, but they also use all New Zealand hops late in the, in the boil. So you have the crisp and cleanness of a Pilsner, but you have this bright aromatic and like juicy fruit hop addition that comes in at the end of the boil. So it gives it a nice, nice little, nice little pop at the end of a crisp, clean Pilsner, which I'm a big fan of. And if you ha- if you've never had it before, and you're wondering what that tastes like, you should go out and try Pivo Pills from Firestone oh. Walker. Dude, this sounds disgusting. It says, a few <clears throat> Brute IPAs have a few hallmarks. They're pale, bone dry, yeah. and also highly effervescent. So the highly effervescent makes sense. The bone, bone dry, dry makes sense. sense. But I, who wants a bone dry beer? Uh, sounds nasty. Um, so interesting you say that. There is a difference between bone dry, meaning there are zero residual sugars, and being uh, zero perceived sweetness. Because you can have a beer with zero residual sugars, but it has a perceived sweetness to it, which is, I, from what I can understand, what's happening in this beer. So you may have a beer that is kind of fooling your mouth into thinking like, oh, this is like juicy. This is like a nice fruity flavor in here. And fruit you typically associate with, with, ju- like, with, with sugar. Like naturally occurring sugars. So would you say these are kind of? Um, do you think they'll be like like a cider? Maybe. No, I, I think this is going to be like a completely different beast altogether. Because like dry ciders have that they're not sweet necessarily like good ones, but they they trick you into thinking they're sweet. That that is true, and maybe that is something because I've had sparkling dry cider. Which is a different beast. Like that is, it's a weird thing. It is like drinking champagne at that point, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like champagne, if you let it sit on your tongue for a second and all that effervescence goes away, you have a a relatively like sweet liquid for what yeah. it is. Now, even like dry cider ciders and champagne have some residual sugars in there, and this one technically has none. Like this brewed IPA. So I don't know. And again, never having tasted it before, it's it's weird. So when I do when I do presentations on uh, the Beer Judge Certification Program style guidelines, I start the presentations by saying like the only reason these style guidelines exist is for people who have never tasted a beer before. You're supposed to be able to read the style guides, and you're supposed to be able to reproduce a beer correctly. Yeah. And when I read up, it's technically not a real style. Yeah, brewed IPA. Yeah, it's only been around for a year. Yeah, I mean, even then, is they discovered an enzyme that you could get, and it's like some brewers in the in the Bay Area started doing it. Yeah, and I think we can thank people like Derek uh, for really nerding out and figuring out what enzymes will continue to eat sugars past the point of brewer's yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. When you when you read these style guidelines, you're supposed to be able to reproduce a style. Well, okay, uh, good luck if you've never had it and you don't know how to read a style guideline. And I, I don't know, it's especially good luck trying to recreate it if you if the fucking style guideline doesn't exist. So, so this guy, so <clears throat> and I'm sorry, there's a, I guess this is a previous Gawker site called the Takeout, but it's a California brewer from Social Kitchen. Yeah, and brewery named Kim Sturdivant, and 
he brewed this last November, which would have been November 2017. Yeah, 2017. And he um, he used a enzyme called amylase yeah. that you normally use triples and stouts to get all the sweetness and well, it would be triples, from it. yeah, triples and saisons in the amylase connection. Yeah. So <clears throat> he said he just wanted, and <laughs> to Brian's point, where it's the smart guys in the room. I mean, this is obviously just smart as well, but at a, a different kind of smart. He said, what if I just put this in my standard IPA? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> he, he risked a whole batch of beer just to be like, hey, let's see what happens. Um, and it ended up being good. So that's how this was. Yeah, it's interesting. So this has only been around for less than a year. About Ten months. That happened last November. So it's probably been in the market since January. Yeah. Crazy. So okay. yeah, that's 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 where I'm at in this beer world. So every time I go to researching milkshake IPAs, I always just divert into articles about brewed IPA because like I've tasted milkshakes. My like, God, ah, it's cool. It's a cool story. Cool story. Cool story. But like, that's- you know, and our listeners are lucky that those messages don't come to me because if it says try this IPA, I would just go delete. Fuck you. Fuck you. You respond delete. back with some. Yeah. Let's go to. Our- Is this America? Oh, I thought this said India. <laughs> delete. No, the key thing is with milkshake IPAs, they sound disgusting. The key takeaway is the same things that happened in the 1700s when porter, or like stout porters were being made, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, stout porter's real good. And we're in George then, Washington across the Delaware. And then come 17, or 1800s, somebody's like, we know we're really good. And I don't know why they're talking with a hick-ass accent. And they're like, it'll be really good if we threw one of them uh, lactose sugars in this uh, stout porter. That lactose sugar probably, would be good. Probably during the War of 1812. Probably. They ran out of milk. Well, okay, so fun story about milk. Well, okay, so milk stouts <laughs> use, the same, use the same ingredient that sets a milkshake IPA apart from a New England IPA. Oh, okay. So all it is is a perceived sweetness that uh, is unfermentable on the backside of a finished fermentation, which fun fact, if you throw lactose sugar into a beer containing or into a, into wort uh, with yeast that contains an amylase, that amylase will eat the fucking lactose sugar. It doesn't give a shit. Anyway, uh, standard, uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae uh, or Saccharomyces pastrianus will not eat through lactose sugar. Anyway, all that aside, fun story about milk stouts back in the day. They were originally sold as milk stouts in England, and then people were all like, hey, assholes, you can't sell them and call them milk stouts because people are drinking them thinking they're health drinks. So people were drinking them and was like, well, it's got milk in the name. It must be brewed with milk, so it's got to be safe and healthy for my kids and my babies and me. So in England, milk stouts are called sweet stouts. So if you ever see a sweet stout sitting on the shelf, a.k.a. milk stout, same thing. Fun beer fact for the day. I'm just going to. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. Frank, are you, uh, do you have anything else that you want to get off your chesticles this evening? No, I do not. I uh, made a face about chesticles. I, don't know. I will say uh, as a, <clears throat> a PSA to the folks out there, yeah. Airbnb photos can be quite different than the actual real life experience in the house oh this is from experience how was uh, that how was the house in in uh, south lake um it, it was great it did have a pool 
the pool from <laughs> one end looked massive on the picture, on the other end it looked small. It was right in between. Okay. Um, in real life, but it, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't think I'd stay in a house in Westlake that needed some structural improvements. Southlake? Yeah, in Southlake. Okay, all right. I just so want to make it. Westlake, Southlake. This would be like a Westlake house that needs. Oh, yeah, that's the same thing. Well, so kind of funny that's unfortunate i'm sorry about your air experience that's unfortunate um i would like to say a big shout out uh step one in a long line of uh the process here that um police officer that murdered a 15 year old child uh, was found guilty of murder here in north texas today wow so the police officer who shot jordan edwards uh, a 15 year old unarmed kid and I was found today guilty of murder so step one in the process good good on uh, the jury step two is let's make sure that sentence is uh, fitting of a fucking murder charge and not six months probation yeah. that's all I'm going to say uh, ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for your time be sure to hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBeerLeftCast. Tune in next week and be sure to subscribe to listen to all of our podcasts. For Brian, here in North Texas, until next time, I'm out. For Frank in far, far, far south, South Lake, I'm out. Beer!